Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast. Today I am joined by our guest, Hassan El-Komi, and he is from Red Sage, an e-commerce web design development growth and strategy agency driving the evolution of digital commerce across the planet. Welcome, Hassan, to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good deal. Well, I gave a little intro. That was, uh, that was my commercial intro for you about what Red Stage is. Why don't you give us the raw details about Red Stage from your perspective? Yeah, totally. So uh, you, you got it. We're an e-commerce agency. We're uh, um, focused on four key platforms, uh, Magento, Adobe Commerce, uh, Salesforce Commerce Cloud, Big Commerce, and Shopify Plus. Uh, we're in 12 locations, seven countries, over a thousand team members all in as a fulcrum company. We uh, were acquired about five years ago now. Uh, so it helped with our expansion and our focus. We've got um, you know, a variety of different divisions under the umbrella, including e-commerce, ERP, PIM, managed services, you name it. Um, and then we've got products to go with it as well. Our focus uh, primarily is on, uh, on e-commerce. We're split B2B and B2C, but B2B is uh, uh, by far our most uh, lucrative. Uh, many of our B2B customers have B2C instances and they're leveraging B2C, business to consumer instances to make things better on the B2B front, business to business. Uh, so that they're not just manufacturing a bunch of uh, crap that's gonna go sit on the shelf somewhere. Uh, so when, uh, when folks uh, hear of a CPG brand like, uh, like a Wreck-It Benkheiser or Colgate, and they see that they do have uh, direct-to-consumer instances, they think it's just purely for the money. Uh, it's the data points that go into it as well, uh, so that they're not assuming things would sell. They're trusting in the data and their consumers uh, and uh, leveraging that from a manufacturing standpoint. So uh, my mom, when she hears e-commerce, she thinks of Amazon, but uh, yeah. It's beyond that, right? I mean, e-commerce um, uh, sits in the back end. E-commerce sits with, uh, you know, mom and pop shops. I mean, e-commerce uh, uh, has expanded and become a beast in its own, even more so because of the pandemic. I'm sure we'll dive into some of the specifics around that as we move things forward. Uh, I come personally from a manufacturing and uh, a distribution background, a very old company that's been around since 1890 and uh, um, operated as if it were still the 1890s. Uh, so I had to uh, shepherd uh, the institution the company into the digital era. Uh, legacy systems from the 70s, uh, old school process, uh, printed pricing sheets with uh, the green and white halls on two sides that we uh, folks of our age group are familiar with. Uh, and um, you know, it was just, that's how it is thousands of customers, thousands of price points and uh, very archaic uh, systems. So it brings a little bit more empathy to the conversation sitting on this side of the fence uh, when I'm able to uh, understand the challenges and uh, more specifically that you're not just selling it externally, you have to sell things internally even, and it's even harder uh, because if we're making money, well, we don't need it, right? Right. And if we're not making money, well, we don't have the budget for it. So how do you counter uh, two conflicting uh, issues here? Uh, so we'll, we'll dive into the specifics there. I also uh, sit on the board at Rutgers University. Uh, I'm the chairman of our makerspace and uh, makerspace is exactly what it sounds like. 
It's a hmm. space where you make things. So it's specific around uh, technology and manufacturing, robotics, machine learning, a variety of uh, different moving parts under that umbrella. Uh, we, once we open up our doors, because the pandemic has pushed it back, uh, we will be the largest makerspace, not just in the state, but on the entire Eastern uh, uh, region. So really excited to be a part of that. Nice, nice. So you really have a, a, a penchant for product design, product creation, all the way from probably that creation standpoint, then to the manufacturing. And now as you're in this space here, transforming the way we go from manufacturing to market. Would that be? Yeah, I, I mean, education is a key factor uh, to go into, regardless if it's uh, e-commerce or anything else that you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's an educational factor that, uh, allows the customer, regardless of who the customer is, to understand what they're truly getting, right? If, I, if, if you're selling me a phone uh, and, and you're just telling me it's a phone and not going into the specifics and the values and what I'm getting out of it, and educating specifically on what I'm getting, then you're, you're losing a sale uh, to the competitor. So it, it's important and I, I've done my best to uh, enable that within uh, the university within my teachings uh, and, and always uh, um, looking at it as a student first, regardless of how senior you may get, right? Regardless of, you know, how many students you have and uh, what your position is. And uh, it's important to look at it as a student first. Otherwise you close yourself off to, to, uh, to growing and expanding that knowledge. So uh, I, I'm truly excited uh, of where we're headed. I believe the pandemic has been an accelerator of that, uh, yeah. uh, not, not just for us, but uh, other industries uh, and even the ones that have, you know, taken a hit for it. Um, when will you ever have the opportunity to have an empty warehouse to truly innovate? When will you have the opportunity to have an empty workspace to innovate, to truly declutter and declutter specifically around maybe uh, some of the products that you have or technologies and tools that may be deemed unnecessary and opening that cash flow that might go with it because now, you know what, instead of, you know, furloughing or firing 5, 10, 20 people, maybe we get rid of this system that is expensive and just sitting there and we're not leveraging it to its full capacity. Maybe mm -hmm. we, you know, consolidate, maybe we declutter, right? and focus right. our efforts where it's truly uh, needed. Nice, nice, I like that. And one of the other things I got, I got from, you know, even just that intro, right, is that uh, you're focusing manufacturing companies, the sale manufacturers, folks with products to, to distribute, uh, focusing them on the data and what they can learn, pro sounds like, about where they can create value for the customers by going through this e-commerce model. So the idea would be, how do you learn more about your customers? Kind of like an Amazon S type of thing. How do you learn more about your customers? And by knowing more about your customers, factor those learnings into your product development so that you could be creating more products that are going to be purchased more profitable for you because you're actually eliminating that risk associated with innovation, right? Um, by just using better customer insights and gaining some of those data insights from your e-commerce environment. That yeah, look, we're, we're not just limited to manufacturing uh, or, or CPG. I mean, we, we've got a right. footprint uh, across the board, but uh, our, some of our biggest uh, industries that we focus on, manufacturing distribution, right? Uh, CPG, uh, retail, 
um, uh, aerospace and uh, life sciences. Uh, mm. Those are, you know, the big ones. Uh, and um, there are B2B and B2C instances there. Uh, there are products beyond e-commerce, uh, you know, the ERP system, their PIM, uh, product information management, uh, and a variety of uh, next stages of innovation to go into it. Uh, I, I mean, the pandemic has consolidated 10 years of e-commerce growth and one uh, yeah. folks that said, you know what? We don't need it. Well, right. heck, people aren't going anywhere. What are we doing? How do we get the product to the people, right? How do we yep. get in front of them? Regardless of who we're selling to, right? The distinction of B2B and B2C, right? That people tend to say, well, there's no way, right? We're business to business. How are we going to do it? Mm-hmm. This made mm-hmm. it so, right? Uh, it changed the way we look at things. And uh, it, it has taken e-commerce to the top, to the top of the list as far as where the spending needs to go, generating revenue, right? Uh, during a mm-hmm. pandemic, people aren't going anywhere. I don't care if you're buying pistons for a rocket ship or toilet paper for that matter. During the height of the pandemic, we were leveraging e-commerce. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't okay. the biggest fan of ordering my groceries online until this. And now, right. am I going back? No, it's exactly. convenient as heck, man. So there's, there's, uh, um, there are things, again, on my, on my side that I'm looking at, like, are B2B companies going to go back? And if so, how much, right? Uh, are they mm-hmm. going to continue their spending efforts in, in areas they were before? Or are they going to change the way they've been thinking? Uh, and I believe what we've learned during 2020 is seeping into 2021 and the budgets that go with it those budgets are going where they're going, where, where we are, right? Around e-commerce right. and what's generating online revenue. Uh, so, we, I mean, we, we work with brands that have never, ever sold online before and, and they ran over like headless chickens. Holy crap, we gotta get online. We gotta get, online. We gotta right. get everything on, we gotta change it. Uh, you know, we, we can't get the product in the hands of the people. Uh, so um, folks that looked at it as a five, 10, year plan uh, have had to change everything uh, during the height of the pandemic. And the budgets for this year that were going elsewhere have changed. Uh, So folks are like, well, it'll taper off. It'll even out. No, this year, Mm -hmm. even more so, a lot of that budget, because last year the budgets were accounted for, right? At the beginning of the year, things changed for this year. So we've seen uh, a, a massive growth for our organization, the biggest year ever for us and, and the industry as a whole. And with that came a lot of consolidation. So a lot of our top competitors were acquired by larger companies. E-commerce as a whole has, uh, has exploded last year and will continue into this year uh, and beyond. Nice, nice. Well, that sounds like a good transformation story. I mean, you know, just to sum that up, Everything has changed and digital has grown. Digital sales transformation has become a big, big priority for everyone out there. And, you know, that's one of the underlying or underpinnings of this show is um, sales transformation and how people are making that shift. All right. So let's go into the second segment and the, and the, and the primary feature event of our, uh, of our episodes. And that is this transformation journey. So this is a segment of the show where we go ahead and we highlight and we have you think about the single biggest challenge 
you dealt with relative to hitting your revenue goals in 2020. Relative to that single biggest challenge, you'll take us through the story about how you realized that this challenge needed to be addressed and then how you went about solving that challenge. And our biggest takeaway that we'll gather from this is how it transformed you as a sales leader uh, by the end. So Hassan, kick it off. What was the single biggest challenge you faced in 2020 when it comes to hitting your so revenue goals? It wasn't necessarily a challenge of hitting our revenue goals uh, because we have far exceeded them. It was more along the lines of, of having the necessary resources mm -hmm. to deliver on what we've sold. Oui. You know, a good problem, but nonetheless, a, a problem. problem. <laughs> so I, I, I think, and, and that, that's equated to, you know, being in the space that we're in. Uh, we, we sold a lot. We, we had a lot of business and it wasn't just, you know, existing customers, but a lot of new came into play, uh, even more so because, as I mentioned before, the pandemic was an accelerator of e-commerce, you know, 10 years condensed into one uh, and, and everyone wants it today. They need it today. It's not even they want it. They need it. They need it. It is vital to the future of the business. So, right. Uh, the, the, the problem wasn't necessarily hitting revenue goals. It was having the resources to deliver on what we sold. And thank goodness we, we have such wonderful customers because they understood, you know, we, we are hiring as fast as we possibly can. We've explored a number of acquisitions, not for their book of business, but for their people, for their people to jump in and help. Uh, and uh, we're, we're still exploring a number of acquisitions to do such. Uh, we're hiring like crazy. If you're looking for a job, come on down. Uh, we're, we're hiring people uh, you know, from developers, business analysts, project managers. We are hiring a lot of them. Uh, you know, folks around the e-commerce industry, we are hiring across the board, across the globe. I don't care if you're here in the States or in Timbuktu, we are hiring, right? Uh, if you're mm -hmm. good at what you do, I don't care where you are. I, I think the, the pandemic has been a testament to that. Good talent is good talent, okay? So we've got wonderful people in, in Latin America and APAC and uh, in Europe and the UK and uh, um, across, across the globe. Uh, and it was our biggest you know, year of hiring last year and it's already seeping into this year. So uh, it wasn't necessarily, again, a matter of uh, uh, you know hitting our revenue targets, it was the resourcing, uh, and you know what we had to do to pivot to to kind of deliver on what we sold was exploring a number of uh, acquisitions and partners to bring on resources, uh, outside recruiters uh, as well as our internal recruiting team. We have a twenty plus recruiting team in house, mm. and we're still le we're leveraging folks across the board. Uh, and, uh, you know, even more so uh, because a lot of these uh, uh, direct competitors in our space and our size were being scooped up, which meant uh, a lot of these folks were either jumping ship or were let go because there was overlap when you become a part of a larger entity. So we, uh, we had our, our pick of the litter of some uh, wonderful talent there. Uh, we, um, you know, took advantage of it as much as we can. Uh, and we still are, right? 
So I, I think the consolidation of our competition has helped us uh, as well to be able to harness the talent. And now uh, the biggest, the biggest uh, problem in 2020 for us, for me, and you know the rest of the family here at Red Stage, was uh, um, the resourcing, bringing on talent. Let's peel back the onion a little bit. I'm assuming that you could go ahead and make up for a little bit of that production or that productivity needed by hiring new talent. Um, and then there's still a little bit of a gap probably of some, of some um, let's say deals you might not be able to capture if you don't increase your capacity more. What other lanes did you open up to be able to serve folks that you weren't able to fulfill for maybe during the time frame that you needed to only by you know scaling the team? Is there, are there any, any new lanes you opened up to be able to service those guys? So we, we, um, we did, and uh, I, I want to clarify, I mean, we're, we're in a good place now, right? Yep, we're in a yep. good place now, we've got the people, and what we've seen in the testament to 2020 is the foresight to go with it. So we are, and if we know we need, you know, five people, we hire 10 people. Mm-hmm. We are looking ahead, 10 spaces, 20 spaces. We're looking at the next stage constantly. So uh, we're in a good place now for it. We, we've been able to scoop up some amazing, amazing, wonderful people around the world. Uh, and uh, we've, we're still adding to it. We're constantly going and going. Uh, and, you know, it's opened the door to um, uh, bringing on talent with specific expertise in areas maybe we were a little bit short on. We hired it We started a whole new consulting division because of it. We uh, uh, have folks focus consultants on digital transformation as a whole. Uh, we um, looked at it as, you know what, rather than bringing in a McKenzie and having them charge you, you know, $5 million to tell you, you need to be more user centric. Uh, uh, like, yeah. that's, that's silly, right? I mean, I, I, yeah. I know this. Uh, it's like looking at my watch, you looking at my watch and telling me what time it is. I know this, I have this. I know the what's and the why's. You're telling me the stuff I know. How do I personally do it? Uh, And if if we're not the right fit, we're not the right fit. We don't just take on anything and everything. Our reputation is everything. And people talk. It's a smaller world every single day, Tony, every day. Uh, and everyone, what is it? Six degree of separation is becoming an right. even tighter, even tighter. Uh, uh, realm. So I, I believe that, you know, you mess up once and it's not that you just messed up once. You've messed up over and over again because people remember the bad more than the good. So you have to do a heck of a lot more good to make up for the bad. And we would rather say no than take on anything under the sun. So we won't take on, you know, uh, an IBM WebSphere project, although it might be extremely lucrative, seven, eight bigger project. Yep. We'll say no. We'll say no because we know it's not in our wheelhouse. If you're migrating from it, sure, bring it on. We've done it. But yep. migrating to it, we're not going to do that to ourselves. So it, it's important to know and to anyone who's listening to this. It's important to say no when you have to say no and not, not to say we'll learn it and figure it out. Yeah. That could be the death of an organization, especially when you say yes to something and it's a big thing where people are going to talk and it's going to expand from there. It just begins to fester. 
I love that. That's a quotable. You got to say no when you need to say no and not just say yes and we'll figure it out. I feel like that's got to be, that's like the death star for so many businesses, or at least even if you're still flounder, you're, you're floundering business because you're doing that, you're just not predictable and profitably growing, predictably and profitably growing. Um, it's so, a contradiction to Richard Branson, right? Where he says, say yes and learn it. And then we can deliver that if we, we, we can't do that. It doesn't apply yeah. here. We can't do yeah. that. Yeah. I'd say it probably doesn't apply to most businesses, but shout out to Richard Branson. Well, let's go ahead then and wrap it up on a note of what is the piece of advice that you would give to other sales leaders out there, regardless of what industry they're in based off of what you learned from 2020 and how you guys have been progressing forward. Even more so because of the pandemic, but empathy is at the top of the list. Have empathy for your customers, for your teammates, for your employees, uh, for as many people as you can. Uh, it sets us apart from the competition, but it also humanizes our experience. So the last and final thought here is bring more empathy to your conversation. Awesome. Well, Hassan, thanks for joining us today. Hassan from Red Stage. If you guys need e-commerce help, reach out to Red Stage. We appreciate you being on the show and we look forward to seeing how you grow into the future. Thank Have you, Tony. Have a good one. All right. Bye.